We're going to uh, we're going to be starting church here right now. All right, are you guys so thankful? And yeah, that was the only glitch that's going to happen all morning. Don't you sweat it. Don't worry about it. I want you to be aware uh, they've taken great pains to make sure that if you're on one of those uh, socially distanced spots, you're going to be fine. If you take your uh, masks off. We're within uh, compliance to be able to sing and to worship together. We've done whatever we can uh, to make sure that uh, we can keep you safe. But also, we're here this morning not to worry, but to worship. Amen? We're here to praise God and to celebrate being able to be together. And so I want you to join us uh, right now in praising God. Well, good morning, church. How are we doing this morning? Isn't it good to be together? Let's have you come to your feet. We're going to have you stand up and stretch those legs a little bit. Revelation 1-7 says this, Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the people on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. Remember, no matter what happens, we should be looking to the clouds because one day he's coming to take us home. Amen? So let's sing this in confidence. He's coming on the clouds. Kings and kingdoms will bow down. Every chain will break, and every chain will break. His broken hearts declare his praise. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the lion, the lion of Judah. He's roaring. So open up the gates. So open up the gates. Make way. Make way before the King of Kings. The God who comes to save. The God who comes to save is here. He's here to set the captives free. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Someday, amen. It's gonna happen someday. Who can stop the Lord? Who can stop the 
can take your seats if you want. I love this song because of the lyrics. It proclaims what we believe about who God is. And I believe in the sun. And I believe in the risen one. Sing this in confidence. I believe I
seems like appropriate lyrics for today. Amen. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. so great a mercy you could imagine so great a mercy what heart could fathom what heart could fathom such boundless grace the god of ages step down step down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame the cross is spoken the cross has spoken, I am forgiven, the King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever, I'm yours forever, in Jesus Christ, my living hope.
darkness we were waiting without hope without hope without light till from heaven you came running and there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and promise to a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the Father, we are so thankful that you are in control of all things. We're so thankful that um, you love us and you care about us and you see us, even though at times it may feel like right now that that you don't see us, but you do. And we're so thankful for that. We would pray that you'd help us to trust that. I pray that you'd help us um, to find ways to fellowship with one another in these days where we're being asked to stay apart. We know that that uh, that makes life difficult. 
because we're folks that really need community. And so I pray that that would happen. We're so thankful to be able to lift up your name high. You are worthy of every bit of praise and more. God, we know that in heaven, you're constantly being lifted up high. And we just wanted to add to that today. We're so thankful we get to hear from your word and that we have your word to guide us and give us direction in today. Um, so we're so thankful for that. We pray that you'd help us now as we, as we hear from your word to settle under it and know that you are with us. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Man, how thankful are you to be able to worship together this morning. It is so great. I, uh, I am aware that we have uh, not just the crowd that is here, and man, I'm so thankful to see your faces. What an awesome thing to be able to uh, hear voices when we're worshiping, other than just our own in the living room. Amen? <coughs> Although that has been awesome. Uh, if you're uh, joining us from home, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 3 and 4. Hebrews chapter 3 and 4. And uh, three times today, our church is going to gather, um, and we're going to have an opportunity to not only hear the word, to be able to worship. We're going to have this evening some baptisms. We also have the Lord's Supper at the end of this service, and um, we are honored to be able to spend this time together. It's been a while. In fact, what I want you to do is I want you to help me to uh, just uh, be able to speak this morning because it's been a while since I've heard your voices. I can see whether or not uh, you're responding by whether or not there's fog that hits your glasses, okay? Yeah, whenever you guys are uh, wearing the masks. But here's what I, I want you to help me out with. Uh, 2020 has been a fairly tough year. Would anyone agree? Yeah. So I'm just going to say 2020 has been so bad. And I want you to say so bad, okay? So bad. That's right. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's actually clinically proven that if you say something that the pastor asks you to say, uh, your heart is 20% nicer, okay? <laughs> 2020 has been so bad. So bad. If it was a flavor of chips, it would be toothpaste and orange juice. Yeah, don't worry. I got that one from somebody else. <clears throat> 2020 is so bad. Somebody turned on The Walking Dead and accidentally thought it was the news. 2020 is so bad. We not only added a day in February for leap year, but March, April, and May took 10 years to complete, and they're thinking about renaming June Purgatory. 2020 is so bad. It's become a byword, like you just went 2020 on him, or... You look so mean. You look like 2020 in a suit. 2020 is so bad that atheists are starting to carry signs that say the end is near. They're downtown. You can find them. I actually shared with you a short while ago. Uh, there was a website uh, that's uh, gotten a lot of play lately. Uh, it's called despair.com. You can go there, look it up on your own. At despair.com, they sell uh, unmotivational posters. So the classic motivational poster that you would see like in your dentist chair as you're looking up, right? And it's a little kitty hanging onto the edge of a couch, and it just says, just hang in there, right? This is the opposite of that. Same beautiful picture, but a completely demoralizing caption underneath it. And they've had some uh, new bestsellers uh, while um, this recent year has unfolded, and one of them says government, and it has a Capitol building beautifully set right there on the front of the picture. Government, if you think the problems we create are bad, just wait till you see our solutions. <coughs> Another one is a, a picture of a guy, and he's been running really super hard, but he's laid down with a cramp in the middle of a race, and he's just laying there as everyone else completes the race, and it says failure. It's not an option. It turns out it's your destiny. A new bestseller during 2020 has been this, sloth is my spirit animal. <laughs> I know, I see those of you who showed up in sweats this morning, just joined it, just like at home. There was a t-shirt recently that was sold, and it was uh, targeted towards teenagers, and it actually says, years in the basement prepared me for this. It's been tragic. But it's not the, uh, the fact that something has happened to us. There's actually something I want to be able to talk about a little bit. We're starting a brand new series this morning, In the Desert But Not Deserted. 
But I, it, it comes with this understanding. There are two tragic responses to a situation like we've been facing. Two tragic responses that you can have to a crisis. One is to refuse to accept that it's happening. We can look around and just absolutely refuse that this is happening. We can try our best to disbelieve it. We can reject what is going on as if it is not real. The first thing is to refuse to accept it. The second tragic response is to refuse to learn from it. These, by the way, are historic. These are biblical issues going all the way back. When God looks at his people and says, I am deeply concerned for you, he says that you're in the middle of a situation. First of all, you need to accept that it is real, and you need to see the lessons that I have laid out for you in the midst of it. We're going to try to undo some of those tragic responses. I want us to be able to embrace that what the situation that we are in is real, but also that God not only is here with us in the midst of this. Amen? He is walking with us, and he has a plan to teach you something that going forward, you could not have learned it would not be yours without this situation. He wants to teach us those things. There's a famous uh, movie from a short while ago, The Karate Kid. I don't know if you've heard of it. Pretty popular for uh, my generation, and uh, in that, there is a, a guy that has come into a brand new situation. He's not in his hometown. He's not around his regular people. And in the midst of moving there, he has offended somebody accidentally, and now it feels like every day his life is in jeopardy. Here he is, a high school kid, and he needs to learn to defend himself. And so he goes, and, and this gardener at the place where he lives says, I can teach you to defend yourself. He saw him getting beat up, and he says, I, I want to teach you. And he takes him out into, uh, you know, the backyard, and he has him start doing stuff like waxing his car and painting a fence and putting a jacket on a, a hanger and taking it back off. And, and partway through, in the midst of this season of learning, he goes, I'm not learning anything. I'm just waxing your car and doing chores. And he begins to show him how he is learning indeed to actually defend himself in that process. He tells him, you know, wax on, wax on. You know, I can't do the Miyagi voice. Um, it's not appropriate in 2020. <laughs> Think of it in your own mind, all right? Him speaking to Danielson. But here is the result. He said, actually, I've been teaching you the entire time things that will go for your great use later on. I'm teaching you things that will better you. I believe that there are lessons that we're learning in this season that God is giving to us as a gift. And we're going to start a series to take a look at lessons God has consistently tried to teach people in the desert. They're not deserted, but actually God is preparing you for the next stage. Hebrews chapter 3 and 4, we're looking at Hebrews chapter 3, starting with verse 7. <clears throat> it says this, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test. They saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and I said, they always go astray. In their hearts, they have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in you, any of you, an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold to our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Pretty important, by the way, when God repeats himself right there in that same passage. Jump down to the end of chapter 4, the very next chapter, and it says this in verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Here we have a passage that is highlighting a couple of important things 
It's looking at the desert experience and is reminding us about what it is uh, that is consistent in salvation history. There are certain episodes that for sure recorded events that happened to a particular people, but there are also principles that we learn throughout that when God wrote these things down, he says, I want this generation to be a marker for future generations. There are certain things that you will all experience and certain lessons I want believers to learn. We all have desert experiences. This uh, passage is quoting Psalm 95, that is quoting Numbers chapter 20. Uh, and so when we begin to build out this idea, it doesn't do violence to the text to say that we also are in a desert experience, though you are not in the desert at this time. The question I have for you right now is how do you handle the heat of the desert? When you are in a situation where, spiritually speaking, all of a sudden everything that it is that used to be comfortable, that used to be a part of your experience, that used to be the thing that you would cling to or that you would find strength in, when those things are stripped away and you're in a desert experience in your life, what is it that you bring? What is it that you have to bring to tackle the heat of the desert? We're going to follow an acronym this morning. ICE. And the first thing that we see in this passage, the I in the uh, word ICE there, is inspect your own heart. It says, therefore, as the Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Verse 12, take care, brothers, lest there be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. When the children of Israel were in the desert, it actually exposed their idolatry. Yeah, they had been in Egypt. Yes, they were under a great burden while they were there, but they had also learned the customs of Egypt. Those homes were comfortable. Those meals were comfortable. That type of fellowship was comfortable. And so when they got to the desert, they began to look back and they said, don't you remember the kind of meals that we would have? Don't you remember the homes that we had? Don't you remember that our pots were full with a certain flavor of meat? They were looking back saying, God, yeah, get rid of the Egyptians, but I still want. And they filled in the blank with all of these other things. And it wasn't just the food, but it also was the gods of Egypt. There were certain ways, practices uh, that were in, they were involved in in worship that they said, man, I wish I could have that. God takes them out in the desert and exposes that, in fact, you weren't craving me. You were craving those things with my name on it. I'm going to strip those things away so that what you have is me. You have all of me. What a great gift when the God of the universe says, I'm going to be your God. You'll be my people. I'll take care of you. You watch as we start something new. But instead of being excited about what it was that God was doing in them, they began to reject him. It actually says, see to it, that there is not in any one of you. It, it is a moment of personal reflection that is required. If other people begin to point out your idolatry, how do you respond? Has that been a good discussion, husbands and wives? Right? You need to inspect your own heart. You've got to take a look at what is going on in you. What are the signs that you might have an unbelieving heart or a heart that says when hardship comes, I'm leaving God's best? In this passage, it was a refusal to believe that there actually is a plan. I refuse to believe that God's got a plan. This is just a rudderless ship and everything is a mess. It was also a refusal to accept God's leadership. I don't know that God knows where he's going. I know the guys that work for him don't look like they know anything, right? That's what they're saying. Refuse to believe there's a plan. Refuse to accept God's leadership or a refusal to let go of the past. One author recently wrote a book, uh, said uh, it, it was called The Signs That You Might Be a Christian Atheist. And the chapter headings in there are instructive. It says you might be a Christian atheist when you believe in God, but you aren't sure that he loves you. By the way, that's the very premise for coming into the Christian faith, the idea that the God of the universe loves you and has paid for your sin. You might be a Christian atheist when you believe in God, but not in prayer. Where do you run first, to the Lord or to other answers? might be a Christian atheist when you believe in God, but you don't think he's fair. When you believe in God, but you will not forgive, you might be a Christian atheist. 
Christian atheist uh, exists when you believe in God, but you don't think that you can change. When you believe in God, but still worry all the time. When you believe in God, but you pursue, pursue happiness at any cost. When you believe in God, but you trust more in money. When you believe in God, but you don't share your faith, or you believe in God, but you do not believe in his church. That's a sign that you're a Christian atheist. In other words, you have let go of God and you have focused on your own way of thinking. It says, see to it in your own hearts that there isn't an evil and unbelieving heart. You're actually called upon to inspect and see that your faith is focused on the Lord first. But there's a second thing here. Uh, ice starts with I, inspect your own heart. But secondly, comfort others with the truth that has comforted you. Comfort others with the truth that's comforted you. Verse 13, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. When it says that uh, you are to inspect your heart, it then turns and says, and make sure that you take somebody with you on your path to seeing things rightly. In uh, the book of 2 Corinthians, it says this in chapter 1, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies, the God of all comfort. Now that's a great list of names, isn't it? All mercies, all comfort come from one place. They come from God. And it says this in verse 4, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we were comforted by God. For we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we should share abundantly in comfort too. If we're afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we're comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. He says, anything that's happened to me, any benefit that I've seen, any growth that I've experienced, I'm going to ex extend that to somebody else. The image we've been talking about as a staff here at the church is I, I just want you to imagine for a moment uh, that we are all getting ready to get on a tour bus, right? You get ready for the tour. Uh, there's an event that you're wanting to go see or a location that you're wanting to go and uh, uh, be able to take in. And a tour bus gathers everybody. They have an itinerary. You're going to have a place where you're going to stop for lunch. You have a, an event that you're going to go uh, and see. You have a location that you're going to go take in information from. You have all of these experiences that you are preparing for. But on your way there, imagine now that instead of heading straight to lunch, instead of going to that location that you were looking forward to going to, the bus has somehow gotten off the road. It has crashed and you're in a lake. At that point, how ridiculous would it be to turn to your seatmate and say, are they still going to have lunch? <laughs> but what about the event? Are we going to make the event? No, what you do at that moment is you make sure that, first of all, you're safe, right? The old rule is put on your mask first when uh, you're in an airplane. It seems so appropriate this year, doesn't it? And then put on the mask of the person next to you. You find out whether or not you're safe. You begin to make your way to shore. You find a path that gets everybody to safety. And you keep going back and bringing people to safety until everyone's on shore. We'll worry about the tour later. The first thing I want is I want you to make sure that you are safe and well. The appropriate thing for us to do in the middle of a crisis is not to begin to complain about the loss of the itinerary. The appropriate thing is to make sure that we're safe and then begin to reach out to those other people and make sure that they get to safety as well. This is when the church rises up. This is what we're to be about. Proclaiming Christ, making sure that our hearts are right, and we're getting other people to get to that right place at the same way. We're to inspect our own hearts. We're to comfort others with the truth that has comforted us. But the E in that word ice is we're to elevate our view. We're to look to Christ and expect his help. In chapter 4, it's really a summary statement of these two chapters as he does a lot of developing. And we don't have time to develop it all this morning, but we have heard these thoughts before. And he comes to this conclusion. Uh, he wraps up all of his thinking by saying then, since we have a great high priest who has... Passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. 
Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. That's a significant statement, isn't it? He's gone through everything that we go through. He passed through the heavens to come and get to us. It says, let us then. This is a conclusion that he draws because of who Jesus is. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We need to elevate our view, looking to Christ and expecting his help. We elevate our view when we take our, our eyes off of the storm waves. We elevate our view when we begin to take a look uh, at the things that are around us and say, instead, I'm going to look to Jesus. He's the author and finisher of my faith. He's the one that is in control. He is the one who cares about me in this moment more than I care about the moment. Do you believe it? Do you believe that Christ actually came through the heavens for you? in order for you to have an experience with the living God that lasts for eternity. He brought forgiveness. He forgives sins. Do you actually believe that? What the scripture says is in light of that truth, because that is the confession that you've had, these things are true. Christ came for you. He's not going to abandon you if he made all of that distance and gave his life so that you would be saved. He will not abandon you in this moment. In fact, he has not abandoned you. In this moment, Christ has not abandoned us. Amen. He has come. In uh, World War II, the people in England were looking for a hero. And there was already one that had been raised up in their midst, Winston Churchill. Now, some people who haven't studied history believe that Winston Churchill just arrived on the scene. And here was this bulldog ready and willing, right, to go and uh, win the day. But that's not how it happened. From the time that he was little, he was absolutely convinced that, that at some day he would lead England through a great conflict. And his entire life, he prepared himself for that moment. At the age of 25, he had already entered into every conflict that England was involved in, hoping to prove that he had the kind of courage and the ability to lead that uh, others would be able to see. But he hadn't had any standout moments. He was an incredible writer already at that time. And so when the Boer War took off, Winston Churchill goes down there as a war correspondent, and he was so convincing in his writing that they, he, he was paid more than Ruyard Kipling and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. He was able to negotiate a price that today would be like getting paid $150,000 for a few months' work. He was a captivating young guy, 25 years old. With his check in his hand, he hops onto the train, and he begins to head down to Pretoria. He wants to report on what's going on, and he is actually hoping that he can fight in the war alongside men who were unnerved. He wants to prove his character. Well, while he's on the way down there, the train that he is on, uh, the tracks blow up, the train gets derailed, and all the people, including the men that were in the army that were on the train with him, are in shock. The people who were there at that moment said that uh, Winston Churchill, all cut up and bruised, could be seen outside shouting to the men where to set up defenses, making sure that the people that were in the train were brought safely out. He got the men from the army to be able to retreat a safe distance and get as many people away as they could, but he stayed when all of the captives were taken captive and he was brought into Pretoria and he was put there uh, in a prison war camp. He said, that was the most boring season of the war for me. That's what he said. I can't prove myself here. He says, all I'm doing is sitting around waiting for the war to end. So with two candy bars in his pocket at Christmas time that year, he scales the walls, escapes that prison, and tells the men that he'll be back for him. They begin to hunt for him. They put out posters. In fact, it becomes this great manhood. England at that point had been losing the war, and all of these people became aware that one of their own was on the hillside somewhere, 300 miles behind enemy lines, and all of them are hunting for him, saying they want him dead or alive back in that prison. Long story short, he ends up escaping. He makes it many, many days, many months. All of a sudden, he gets to safety, and when he arrives in England, he could have written his own ticket. But instead, what does he do? He signs back up and says, I want to go back down to those men. And he leads a group of men at the end of the war 
back into Pretoria, sitting on a horse. He is overseeing that 180 captives that were there with him in the camp. He went back in to set them free, and England never forgot. They're looking for a champion. You take a look at our movies. You take a look at the way that we do broadcast. You take a look at what the world is craving right now. Do you want to know what the world is dying for? They are begging for a savior. They're looking for somebody who would pass through the heavens and come for them to set them free. We have right now in our midst the Savior of the world. He's our Savior. What this scripture is encouraging you is you don't have to wait for somebody like Winston Churchill, who was actually a broken man, who could not actually set people free. He was a champion that caused people to rise up. But only Christ can set people free. Amen? We worship the only Savior that can actually satisfy. The one that your soul is, is craving is right here in our midst. That's what the scriptures are declaring. And it says, have faith. Believe that he will not leave you in this moment. Jesus has not only proved his worth to come for you, but he has made available to you the thing that your soul craves. You have a Savior that will set you free and walk with you in the desert. That is something that we need to proclaim. We are in the desert, but not defeated. Amen? We have uh, right now at this moment an opportunity to participate in the Lord's Supper. What I'm going to encourage our uh, folks at home to do is to make sure that you get your uh, elements ready. We're going to participate in that. And for those of you that are here, get those out. Um, I'm going to ask AJ and the guys here as I close. Uh, to come up and, um, and lead us. But what the scriptures say is, and I think in light of this message, the scriptures tell us that we are to examine our own hearts. We are to investigate in our own hearts where we stand with the Lord. Is there anything between you and him? These elements are not mystical. They don't save you. It's an opportunity to corporately begin to respond and reflect. This is an opportunity to remind ourselves what Jesus Christ did on our behalf and then to respond in praise. Amen? That's what we're to do. We take these elements in his honor, uh, reflecting on him and looking forward to his soon return. For those of you that are here, I, I want you to notice with these cups right there that there is two pieces to this. There's a little wafer that's on the top. You can actually pick that first layer off we take the bread first and then the cup. I want you to familiarize yourself with that, all right? But right now what I want you to do is to bow your heads, close your eyes, and take a moment to reflect. Is there anything between you and the Lord? Is there anything that you need to confess right now? You take care of that as AJ and the guys come, uh, and then we will participate in the Lord's Supper together worshiping a Savior who came for us. Father, as we reflect right now, we pray that you would help us. Help us to be reminded uh, that in our own hearts there can be that sense of rejection, that we might have been excited about truth in the past but never settled into it. Father, as we receive that comfort, I do pray that you would help us to comfort those that are around us. And help us to elevate our view right now in this moment. We have an opportunity to lift our eyes and to remind ourselves and those around us corporately as we do this. That Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again on the third day for us. We praise you for that truth. And we ask that you would help us right now to do this, to participate with full hearts, clean hearts. Hearts that have asked forgiveness, Father, have yielded and look forward to what you would, are going to do next. Guide us now as we participate in this in Christ's name. Jesus bled.
Scripture says this, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. scripture continues and it says in the same way also he took the cup after supper saying this is the cup for the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me the scripture declares for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Father, what a treasure it's been for us to gather today as uh, your church and to be able to rejoice together, to worship together. Uh, Father, to look into each other's eyes and to remind each other of truths that come from your word. Help us to make sure that we foster truth, that we spend time in those things that are right and righteous. We praise you for this opportunity to gather, but now, Father, as we prepare for weeks ahead, where once again we are going to be going to your word, sitting before you, and, Father, we are called to encourage one another. Help us to be ready to do that and to do it well. We praise you for this time, and we ask that you would guide us as we continue to serve you, to worship you, to put you on display. Help us to not only survive this time, but to learn the lessons of this season. And every single day, we pray that we would look forward to the soon return of Christ. He is coming indeed. We ask that you would help us as we worship, not just today, but each day in this season. Help us to bring others along with us. Father, help us to be the church. Pray that you would in, in, uh, enable us in Christ's name. Amen. Probably my favorite verse in this song right here. And on 
this last chorus and then sings and my soul my savior God to for this opportunity. Can we give him a hand? We're so thankful for you coming this morning. We're thankful to everyone joining us online. And uh, this week we uh, shared just a couple days ago uh, an announcement with the church family. Hopefully you've seen that video. If not, you can see it online on our website. But uh, we, we know that connection is a big part of being part of the family of God. And we desire that. That's why we want to encourage everyone to continue to gather as we move forward from this time. Um, there are a lot of questions on how to do that in a season where uh, we're, we're told to kind of be disconnected. and We're being forced to be apart, but we believe that as the body of Christ, when two or three are gathered in his name, he is with us. And so we want you to uh, continue to look for ways to do that. And we're going to be uh, putting out some videos for our church family over the coming days that are going to explain how we see you doing that and answering some of the questions that we're hearing from you. But in the meantime, our desire is that we would come out of this season not broken as a church, 
but more connected than ever. And for those who have been able to gather with other families or just whether to watch the service online or being able to gather and just talk to each other, the reports are incredible of the amount of connection and the depth that is coming from those conversations, that the word of God is getting planted deeper into their hearts and minds. And so that's our plan for the coming weeks is to continue to help our church come together in home church groups. And so for those of you online, we have uh, some questions for you that are going to pop up here in just a moment. For those of you here at church, uh, we sent out an email. If you have access to your email, you can look at those questions. But what we want you to do right now is to practice what it's like to, to gather after a service and talk about it. And so if, you, if you're able to stay for just a few minutes and, and find someone sitting next to you, put your mask on and maybe talk this morning. We'll just have you focus here for on one question. How has your faith been challenged during this time? But how has God proven to be faithful? So spend a few moments talking with each other, gathering, connecting, and let God use that in a powerful way. We're so thankful that you've joined us here this morning. We hope that you guys will enjoy the time together. We look forward to seeing you again soon. God bless.